Welcome to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. This is a podcast about seeking first the kingdom of God where we work, live, and play. The content of each podcast will correspond to the current sermon series at Ontario Christian Church, current events that rise up, and also to the church calendar. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Seek First podcast with Stephen Jordan. This is season two, episode two. Uh, we've been talking about biblical friendship, and so one of the focuses with this episode is to continue that conversation from last week that we started, kind of as a teaser, kind of get as an introduction to get into this uh, conversation. So we are, right now, we're kind of working our way through, on our own time, uh, a book by a friend of mine, Jonathan Holmes, called The Company We Keep in Search of Biblical Friendship. Really encourage you to grab that book. Um, if you're listening, it's a good resource uh, to consider, you know, what does biblical friendship look like? And uh, as a body of Christ here at OCC, uh, we've, we've been talking about the one and others. Started that series just this last Sunday, and we're going to continue through that over the next seven weeks. And uh, the one and others deal with kind of like the body of Christ, how we get together, how we get along, what are we doing with each other, how are we serving one another, encouraging one another, challenging each other, forgiving one another, bearing one another's burdens, all those things kind of in a large scope. And then it kind of funnels down through you know, smaller groups of people living that out with each other. And then with this specific podcast, the focal point that we wanted to have is that really close re- relationship, the friendship level, kind of looking at the funnel, large piece of the funnel being the large gathering as you come down Sunday school, things along those uh, ends means kind of a smaller group than that, the large Sunday morning gathering. Uh, community groups, they usually have anywhere from 8 to 20-something people in them, and so you can kind of live those one another's out in that circle, but a really tight one another is the friendship, so we kind of wanted to go to the next level in this conversation this week. So uh, what are some of the thoughts you have after reading the book or scriptures or questions that maybe we need to kind of ask and consider during this episode? Yeah, I think as we uh, continue to dive deeper into the conversation. Um, there's a great definition that the author gives that we're going to touch on um, at some point, but <clears throat> there are, we, we brought up a couple of the questions that he asks that are common questions surrounding friendship and biblical friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we could start with one or two of those. Okay. All righty. Um, <clears throat> let's see. One of the questions that he raised, we hit the one last week. Um, If a group of people are all saved and adopted into God's family, then really, why can it seem so hard to form open, honest, genuine friendships in the church? We um, started by, we answered that one last week. A second one he asks is, didn't Jesus say believers can be recognized by their love for one another? What is that supposed to look like? Whatever it is, why don't we see more of Mm -hmm. it? Um, That's something I think we're going to get to later when we start talking about some of the passages in John 15, Mm -hmm. um, talking about how Jesus calls us friends. And um, so if we see how Jesus models his relationships with his disciples, we can model our relationships um, after after him in that way. Yeah, I think one we wanted to talk about at the top is this question that I, I think it's kind of a tough question. Uh, but I think it, it does need to be asked because I think a lot of us maybe, I mean, he's he phrases it as a lot of us harbor these silent questions or and maybe we have had these questions for years, uh, but we haven't felt like we've had the ability to ask them. And mm-hmm. so I think this one's really important. Should it concern me that there's still no one in my church who actually knows me well? Mm. 
Man, that's a loaded question. It is a loaded. That's a hard. I mean, I think a lot of us have probably felt this at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the piece of being known, but yet not truly being known, um, and then searching that out. Uh, oftentimes, when actually in counseling, biblical counseling, and sending people off to continue the accountability or growing in this, mm-hmm. or have people having a hard time um, sometimes finding this person that can walk this out with them. So it's a, it's a, it's a hard question, but I think it's like you said, worthy of asking. So what are your thoughts on that? I think, uh, I'll answer, I'll give my answer to the question and then unpack it. I think, uh, I say cautiously. Yes. It, sh- it okay. It should concern us. Yes. It, mm-hmm. If, um, we aren't known and that's not like to shame anybody. That's just to say, uh, we've been given this privilege of walking life with one another. Um, and I think to answer that yes is an easy thing to do. To unpack why the answer is yes is a bit more tricky. But I think we need to get to why don't people know us that well? You know, is it because of us? Um, is there is the reason that nobody knows me well because I've been a bit closed off or... Uh, for whatever reason, or I'm a bit shameful to kind of open myself up in that way uh, to somebody in relationship, or is it because of others? Um, Is it maybe someone has hurt us in the past Mm -hmm. and and caused us to have a hesitancy to open up or to become vulnerable? I know that I hear that a lot. Like I opened up to somebody at one point, and then when I opened up, it was then used to harm me when it seemed like they were trying to help me. Um, and so I, now I don't trust. And so now I find myself in a place where nobody knows me that well. And so, or is it because people, we don't, we're, we don't find ourselves around people who are approachable. Um, I think that sometimes that's the case. I think also the case is for whatever reason, there exists this stigma within Christianity that once we come to Jesus, we shouldn't struggle anymore Mm -hmm. or we don't suffer anymore. And I don't know where that comes from because that is nowhere in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so if that's been told to you or taught to you, I just want to say that that's not true. (laughs) In fact, the Bible says the opposite. It assumes that we're going to. And what the Bible does is it makes much of Jesus's presence with us in our suffering. So it doesn't minimize it and it doesn't um, just say you're not going to struggle. And so, I think those are some of the reasons we may not be known, but I think I think it should cause concern, but the concern should motivate us to ask why mm-hmm. is kind of where I'm going. Anything you want to add there? Well, the, uh, we may have hit this in past uh, podcast episodes, but I think one thing that comes to mind or that I, that I wrestle with even is, is that we have a tendency to look a certain way on social media or mm-hmm. um, even in, in public. Even when we do gather, we put the face on. I know we've talked about masking. <clears throat> but most people don't put, I had a horrible day at work, you know, and you know that some people do, but most of us don't mm-hmm. uh, on Facebook or social media, Instagram. And so I think that we are afraid to let our guard down as well. Uh, we're just culturally really struggling. Either that's all you do or you don't do it at all almost. Mm-hmm. And so I think a large piece of this is, I think we just don't know even know how to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we know how. And like you said, to some degree, there's definitely been harm and hurt that has played into it. Um, but it, it almost feels as if we have to be re-educated in what it looks like to friend mm-hmm. and to be vulnerable and to have these conversations and to walk alongside each other through thick and thin and um, to not always pretend like everything's, you know, 
wonderful and great. You know, I think that's one of the issues there as well. So that brings us to the next question. Uh, Jordan, what's the next question that you wanted to ask uh, right under that one there? The next question I think goes along with the one we just asked. And um, it could be a reason why uh, nobody knows me well. And so that's why I think it goes along. Is, will I ever have people in my life who truly accept me for the mess that I am? Or is it unrealistic and selfish of me to want that? Mm. So maybe the reason that nobody knows us well is because we're worried that they won't accept us mm -hmm. for the mess that we are. Yeah, rejection. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, maybe that's happened before. Mm -hmm. And that I think a lot of times that's what plays a role in that. Or there's been stigmas about brokenness and pain and, you know, dealing with grief or any kind of suffering. And so <clears throat> it just leads us to not engage um, in it. Um, and I think if we look at, um, there's a plenty of examples of a Jesus engaging people in their brokenness. And we know and would, you know, readily confess the fact that Jesus himself said that he came for the sick. Mm -hmm. He came to call sinners to repentance. But for some reason, when we find ourselves in need of, you know, maybe we're sick and we're in need of healing or we're broken when we're in need of um, him coming and redeeming us or whatever it might be, we struggle to believe that. Um, and we struggle to share that then with others. But um, I know we were going to look at John 4. You want to go ahead and look there, or do you have any other thoughts? Well, <clears throat> I think something I'm thinking about is I'm, I'm beginning to think about the, the characters within the scriptures. Like the mm. You think about Paul and the persecution that he did to the church, and then nobody wanted to be around him after he's converted to Christ, you know? And just the complexities of that, knowing that I have a past even, and so what do I do with that? And yet Christ has set me free from it, so do I walk in faith and trust that if the Lord loves me, it can also risk being mm -hmm. loved by others? And Paul takes that risk. <clears throat> and, of course, we have him on journeys because he mm -hmm. takes that risk. Um, and then some of his own relationships kind of don't go well. Like there's a season in his own relationship you know, where they part ways, and mm -hmm. um, so it, it doesn't end um, that way. Sometimes it's hard, even after you do make that that move forward. And the beauty is, is that God brought them back together at some point as well. So that's just something that came to mind. And of course, like some other people, woman caught at the uh, in adultery. What was the rest of her narrative? You know, I bet she followed Jesus, but stigma followed. You know, sure. So how how did she friend? These are just questions more than anything. But um, you think of Zacchaeus. I mean, the guy had taken advantage of a great number of people. And uh, so he gets set free. Can he be honest with mm. where he's at? Um, mm -hmm. Can he friend well as things go along? I'm just trying to just throw some things out there for us to think, because I think sometimes we read the scripture and think to ourselves, man, if Jesus was here, it'd be so much easier. <clears throat> but the truth is we have the spirit of the Lord dwelling within us as well. Mm -hmm. And so some of these risks are worth taking because the spirit of the Lord does dwell within us. And we have this, the scriptures. Um, and so taking that risk is can bring glory to God. Um, and I think we'll get in the definition in a minute, but those are just some thoughts I had, I guess, as far as people narratives that are at play. And I, you always, I kind of ask myself like, how did this play out? I wonder, yeah. you know, did the, did they, were they accepted by the church? You know, mm. um, what did it look like for the bride of Christ to meet together? And then I'll look around and go, wait, weren't you the one that, you know, <laughs> persecuted yeah. my family a year ago and now here you are. But then the way I see it, it's kind of like my guess is there's great rejoicing, hmm. like that the Lord brought you into this circle as well. So mm. sorry. No, that's good. I think, I mean, 
you think about the narratives of the people within the scriptures and if while we're on the subject of stigmas like Paul wouldn't pass a background check. No, he would not. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And no, I'm not advocating right. that yes. we should right. use characters like Paul in ministries. But you think about how God used him and transformed and redeemed his life. Like you start to get into a stigma. Yeah. It's like I remember um growing up, um hearing hearing it preached like you you know you, we we spent a lot of time maybe wallowing in self pity about the mistakes we've made and the things we've done, mm-hmm. and just like in shame. Um, it's like we're supposed we're supposed to compare ourselves to Jesus, mm-hmm. but if you think about some of the stuff that people did in the Bible, and they were still used by God. Mm-hmm. Like I remember hearing it preached. We're like junior varsity when it comes to mm-hmm. the varsity stuff per mm-hmm. se that Paul did or David did, and mm-hmm. committing adultery and having someone murdered or murdering a bunch of Christians. Like it's not always helpful to think in terms of that, but in order to tear down a stigma about engaging in my brokenness and, and how Jesus engages in my brokenness and whether or not I can invite others into it, I think it is helpful to think about. Yeah. Is it inappropriate to go Luke seven then or not? No, I think that's great. <clears throat> go for it. Uh, Luke seven thirty three and following uh, for John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine. And you say he has a demon. And the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Mm. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. So, yeah, he was, I mean, Jesus was known for being a friend of sinners and hanging out with <clears throat> with us broken people, with us messed up people. So he gives us an example of friendship. Um, right. I, is that where you wanted to go next? Oh, that's great. Yeah, keep going. Um, well, you go. I'm going to let you go. Okay. I think it, I think it's a great uh, passage to bring up because Jesus modeled what it is to be a friend to someone who's a sinner, or Jesus modeled what it is to meet somebody in their brokenness. Um, and I think if we're going to start to understand what biblical friendship is, we have to model it after how Jesus sought relationship with other people and with his disciples and those others that followed him as well. Um, but the fact that <clears throat> I mean, this is an accusation made against Jesus and, and Jesus is throwing it back at them. Right. Like you call me a glutton and a drunkard. Well, who was Jesus around that he got called those yeah, things? Yeah, right. Associations. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, you want to start really bending your mind about this? Ask yourself the question, who do you think Jesus would spend most of his time with today? Uh-huh. Yeah. And it it, it begins to really question your presuppositions about brokenness and your presuppositions about some of the prejudices we even have, you know, like Mm -hmm. Jesus would be with the, he was with the outcasts of society Mm -hmm. and he was bringing people together who absolutely hated each other. Mm -hmm. And so you Mm -hmm. just see this, like this unifying and what's the unifying theme. We all need Jesus. And so he's meeting them in that. And if we can begin to model our approach to people after how Jesus approached to people, I think we're starting down the right trail of what biblical friendship looks like. Yeah, absolutely. The crazy band of people that followed is his followers, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> it was uh, a misfit, a, ba- a band of misfits for sure. Absolutely. And praise God that we get to be counted as some of them. Right. So, yeah. Right. And and I think the other thing, this is just really throwing this way out there, but um, those narratives all had, they are all 
out in the open. Like the woman was caught in adultery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, the tax collector gets, you know, gets saved, uh, hangs out with Jesus. I think part of it is, is that we live in darkness a lot of times. Like mm-hmm. if people really knew my heart or head, you know, would they love me? And we talked about this a little bit last week, but to a large degree, I think that's the part of it too, is that <clears throat> we have the facade and we don't really want to let that facade down mm. or take the risk. And in the narratives of the Bible, Jesus like, you know, called it what it was, you know, and dealt with it and loved in spite of it. Um, so just kind of throwing that out there as well. John 15 talks about um, <clears throat> Jesus laying down his life for his friends. And we talked about this a few weeks ago in the message um, and that what does friendship look like? And it's, it's the literal act of laying your life down for one another. Um, mm. And so that's the model that Jesus gives for us. But where where were you going to go as well? I probably kind of jumped and leaped, no. leapfrogged over you there. Oh, that was great. I think I think it's good to bring up John 15. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. <laughs> Modeled. That, yeah. yeah, and that's where we're kind of pulling that from. Uh, greater love is no one than this, that he laid on his life for his friends. And he goes on to say, you are my friends. If you do it, I command you. Um, and uh, um, in, the, in the book, um, The Company We Keep, he points out the fact that like Jesus has called you his friend. Right. Yep. Like that. That's and he knows big, you. Yeah. <laughs> and he knows you. Yeah. Right. And this isn't a friend that you have to worry about that. That's what blows my mind is Jesus calls us his friends and we don't have to worry about whether or not Jesus will fully accept us for right. who he has yep. because he's already done yep. that just by saying you're my friend. Yeah. And he knows way more about me than I know about myself. Yep. Um, and I think, um, with this, with, with modeling, with kind of the foundation we laid last week of the fact that we've been created by God and who is the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that before the foundation of the world, the Father and the Son existed in this a loving relationship within the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And so we have this relational God who creates us in his image to be relational primarily. And then he says, like, go, go and do this, and then there's the fall. But and, and now we look at Jesus's model. And so if we're going to put all this together and kind of define what biblical friendship is and what we're really driving towards, I think um, Jonathan Holmes's definition is about as good as it gets. Yeah. And so I'm going to go ahead and read that and Please. let's spend some time unpacking that. Mm-hmm. So here it is. Biblical friendship exists when two or more people bound together by a common faith in Jesus Christ pursue him and his kingdom with intentionality and vulnerability. Rather than serving as an end in itself, biblical friendship serves primarily to bring glory to Christ who brought us into friendship with the Father. It is indispensable to the work of the gospel in the earth and an essential element of what God created us for. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It is good. What do you want to pull out of there? <clears throat> well, I, I think um, we one of our... One of our listeners gave a question that really applies to this one. Uh, one of our listeners asked, should friendships be pursued for the purpose of making us more like Christ, iron sharpening iron, or for the purpose of bringing others closer to Christ, discipleship, or both? And I think this mm-hmm. definition does a really good job of just giving us both in there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you To be a friend, you have to be a friend. You have to be with somebody, and that's kind of the beginning of this definition, is reminding us that um, for for us to work us out of us, for God to work us out of us, we have to be around other people mm-hmm. and people that are close enough to call us out and have permission to do that and see us enough 
to know when things aren't right. Right. And I think that's the part of friendship we're maybe somewhat scared of is like, so if you know me well enough, like my wife knows me when I come home, she knows what, what happened before I even open my mouth. And so she can speak life into me or correction or truth. And that's what biblical friendship does. It gives access to one another living life together to the point where we have permission to call each other out. And, mm-hmm. um, but that can only happen in the closeness of that bond. It, it can't happen any other way. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think that's one, one thing I value about what this question asks is, is that what, is that what biblical friendship looks like? Iron sharpening iron, or is it also, um, bringing others closer to Christ? And I think the answer is yes. I think it, the, both of them are the, the goal, but what else jumps out to you uh, with that definition? Yeah, um, man, a lot of things. Um, I think the restoration of what God intended. Um, he, he says, uh, rather than serving as an end in itself, biblical friendship serves primarily to bring glory to Christ. And here it is, who brought us into friendship with the Father. Yes. Like we have been invited. Yeah. yeah. And that's like what God's original intent was right. in creation was to... Um, create us in his image and then we can live in harmonious relationship with other image bearers and with God. And so what Jesus has done is he's forever invited us into fellowship with the Trinity, Mm -hmm. which that is, that is a high honor Mm -hmm. and privilege. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically um, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, church history scholars argue that if you want to trace the line of thought of articulating what, salvation is it's that jesus has um we've been invited to participate in the son's relationship with the father mm-hmm. like you've and that's that's literally where we get the idea of adoption like mm-hmm. we've been and paul talks about this all over the place like we've been adopted into the family of mm-hmm. god yep. and what comes with it a restored and renewed relationship with god and out of that flows our restored and renewed relationship with other people mm-hmm. as we try to bring glory to Christ. And the fact that he says it's an indispensable, it is indispensable to the work of the gospel in the earth. Like I think about the friendships that are made through like pursuing Christ together and also serving Christ. Mm -hmm. Like I think about my friendship with you Mm -hmm. and like how much of a blessing that is and how we've gotten to serve and we'll continue to get to serve together. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also do life together, you know? And so Mm -hmm. there's that there's, there's people I've been, served with in the past and like this, the camaraderie that comes, Mm -hmm. it's like the camaraderie that starts it and comes through it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's just like this, this blessing all around of how God utilizes biblical friendship for us, but also in this context for others, like for the mission of the gospel. Absolutely. So the world's supposed to know us by our love. Mm -hmm. And I think that a biblical friendship gives us the bandwidth to live love out into the world to where people see the relationship and the bond that's there and the servant's hearts that are present and sticking through thick and thin. And just, it's a beautiful picture of what God has done for us. We're to do then to one another or for one another to be that for one another. Um, so as friendship goes, um, we're to take risk, we're to call each other out. It's, it's a tight relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know when my eye starts twitching and things along those lines, like you can read what's going on as well. So, mm. um, it but it that is bore through adversity as well as joy. Yeah. And so f- biblical friendship, just like even their worldly friendship, does that. But biblical friendship has a hope beyond the situation, a hope that we share in Christ. 
you're not smant. I'm not brought and we're brothers in Christ. And right. so uh, that's the beautiful thing is what binds us together is beyond us and a mm-hmm. higher calling than either one of us could ever produce on our own. Right. So yeah. any other thoughts on this episode? Yeah, I think just kind of as we start to wrap up, the Bible refers to the body of Christ as just that, a body, a people, a people set apart for God. Um, we've talked about this before, but but the church is not meant to be a business. We're not meant to be CEOs. Right. Uh, we are meant to be shepherds. Yeah. And, and then like the body of Christ is meant to be in relationship with one another. And so... What if we return to this as like how we, and I think we're there, like, mm-hmm. and that's why we're doing the one another's like we need, the point is to be in each other's lives, building relationships, both with people here and with the people we encounter throughout our week. Like I know you were sharing about a conversation you recently had with somebody like, let's go be the church. Mm-hmm. Like we need to focus on being the church Monday through Saturday. And then when we come together with the body of believers that we gather with, it, it's, it's, um, to be in each other's lives, to be worshiping together, to be growing together and mm-hmm. walking this thing out. So I guess just even thinking about like, what did, what did the, what did um, the disciples do when they gathered together in acts? They broke bread yeah. and fellowship together. And of course they prayed. Apostles teaching. Yeah. Right. Eric, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but part of the, part of it was we're going to break bread together. Right. And mm-hmm. so there's this relational aspect that is just primary whenever the new Testament talks about the church and, Think about the letters that Paul wrote. He mm-hmm. wrote to them because he had a relationship with them and he knew what was going on in their midst, mm-hmm. both in their church, um, the sins they were struggling with, maybe some of the heresies of the day he was trying to combat and say, right. no, let's believe this way. Like, don't, I'm astonished that you're turning to another gospel. Mm-hmm. Well, he knew that about the Galatian church because he knew them mm-hmm. and he knew that they were turning away. And so we need to be in each other's lives, yeah. I guess is all I'm, I'm driving at. And like, let's, Let's commit to this as what we want to be. Yeah, I think some of the more beautiful narratives that are coming out right now or when I hear somebody say, hey, I had so-and-so over for lunch. Mm. Like, praise be to God. You know, you're breaking bread. That's that's a good thing. Right. We're different people around the dinner table. I almost took a picture this week. It's ironic. I almost took a picture at the di- dining room table. And like, are we? how well are we tabling? Like, how mm. well are we doing this with mm-hmm. one another? And I, I think I mentioned this last podcast, but just when our community group gets together and breaks bread, it's just a really sweet moment. There's laughter, there's, you know, a heartache, there's just every emotion. And then just sharing life together. Um, mm-hmm. it, there's something that, that changes when you're around a table breaking bread, mm-hmm. uh, familiarity that's there. And, um, so yes, we do. We're right there. We're doing it. We want to keep growing in that. And that's mm-hmm. why we're running to focus on this. Um, it's just to remind one another, um, and, I, and I've said this a lot. I'm going to keep saying it. Yes, use your use your spiritual gifts on Sunday morning, but that isn't that isn't the whole reason God gave us relationship, spiritual gifts, all these things He gave them for us that to be used throughout the week, Monday through Saturday as well. And mm-hmm. so, what does it look like to have biblical friendship, have community, have the one another's living out um, in everyday life where we live, work, and play? So, mm-hmm. any other closing thoughts? I don't think so. Okay. Let's keep walking it out. Let's do it. Okay. Thanks for joining us this episode. Uh, we're going to jump into some more topics of biblical friendship over the next couple of weeks. So thanks for listening. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. We hope you enjoyed the conversation today. 
If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us, as well as any topics you would like us to consider in the weeks to come. We encourage you to continue to seek first the kingdom of God where you work, live, and play. Blessings.